0: visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com. Email him at csawyer any maccom or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345. Corporate NMLS number 338923. Any Mac Home Mortgage and Equal Housing Lender. American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC. DBA, Any Mac Home Mortgage. Lo-Fi Direct. your First Mortgage Correspondent. License Lender. Broker number ML 338923. Massachusetts Mortgage Lender and Mortgage Broker. License Number MC 338923. Rhode Island License Lender. License Number 20112810L. Call for additional details pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the
1: pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball. Because the Yankees are not even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and
2: the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees.
1: Welcome to Sports Talk with RJ. I am Steve Richer, along here with Justin Afriol, And for the first time in nine years, the UConn Huskies are in the Sweet 16. They won their two games in, 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 the, in Albany this weekend. The last weekend, they beat Siena 87-63. They beat St. Mary's 70-55. to Really, outside of uh, Alabama, they were the most impressive team in the, in the tournament. Adamo Sanago was unbelievable. He was outstanding in those two games. Hawkins was not good in the first half, but he definitely got going in the second half. And I think this team, the way they're playing right now, I think they're, they're going to be very, very hard to beat. If Senago and Hawkins keep playing the way they are, they're going to be really, really hard to beat. Justin, your thoughts from last weekend?
2: Yeah, you know, again, they played really well, both both games the second half. You know, they came out kind of firing. Um, and that's kind of, you know, during the non-conference, it's kind of what we saw, a team that, you know, in Spurs played really, really well. They kind of... Let teams back into it, but it you know, when, when they start to get it going, it's like an avalanche and it's and it's tough to stop them. Yes, and i probably him or Dylan DeSseus are probably, you know, both both those two were probably the most impressive players over the weekend. Yeah, you know, Hawkins both games had a really good second half. It's got to get it going, you know, in the first half as well. But yeah, the way they're playing right now, they definitely have a chance to win it all. Arkansas is gonna be a tough one. Um, they're probably a team that there's only probably two or three other teams in the country that can match UConn's athleticism. And Arkansas could do that. So it's be a tough one. But um, yeah, it's great to see him back in uh in the Sweet 16.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And you talk about you talk about Arkansas matching their athleticism, but uh I don't think I don't think they have the three-point shooting or the size uh to beat UConn. I I really like UConn in this game. I, I really like like UConn in this matchup. And Justin, I want I want to hear your keys. What are your keys to Yukon? to you kind of getting a win over Arkansas.
2: For me, the first one is you got to play a full 40 minutes. I don't think that 20 minutes, second half is going to get it done. You got to come out, play with a full 40 minutes. Um, because Arkansas is good enough to beat you. Again, they're down 12 against Kansas, you know, in that second half. They they, you know, they didn't flinch and they found a way to win that that basketball game. Um, you know, that's a good team. Eric Musselman, back-to-back elite eights. You know, he's a very good coach. Um probably we have two of the most animated coaches going to be on the sideline. Oh yeah. Night. You're going to I, see a
1: lot of animation tomorrow night.
2: Oh yeah. I, I feel bad for that crew rough in that game. That's not going to be, that, that can't be fun for the three referees dealing with those two. Um, so that's the first one It's just play a full 40 minutes. 20 minutes will not get it done. I feel like in this game, their man to man defense has got to be on point, you know, because Arkansas, as you mentioned, they're not a good three point shooting team. They want to get to the basket and it's tough for Sinago because you know, he's six foot nine. He's not really a guy that could, he's not a room protector like Klingon is when he comes in, but Sanogo in there. They got to be able to, you know, good man, to man defense, keep their guy in front of them, make them take a lot of challenging threes or tough, you know, long twos. Do not let them get to the basket and get to the free throw line. Cause if you can let them settle and you know, they're not really going to hit their shots. They want to get to the basket. The man to man defense is gotta be good tomorrow. Um, You know, if they get to the basket, they get you know, and um, you know, they, they hit free throws, it, it could be a long night for UConn. Then my final one is is for UConn is you gotta avoid Arkansas's like eight to ten oh runs. Like it you know, they're kinda like Yukon where it they get it going, they can go on a long run. And they gotta be able to kind of you know be able to um respond to those. You know, if they come down, hit two threes, you know, UConn's gotta respond to hit one, hit a three back, you know, you can't let them go on these eight to ten oh runs because that could really cost you you know you're down two points and all of a sudden you could be down 12 in, in a matter of two three minutes so for them they gotta they gotta um can't let arkansas go on gonna go on one of those spurts you know it, it'll be a tough one but um you know arkansas has got some talented players but yeah i think you guys could win this one but those three keys are gonna be huge for you kind of find a way to hopefully get back to the lead eight
1: my keys are uh, gotta get hawkins going early that's what they didn't do in the first two games. He had zero points in in, in, a, in the first half in both games. He came alive in the second half both times. They need to get him going early in this game. They definitely do. They can't. He he, he can't get off to a slow start. They got to get him going early. Number two, keep doing what they're doing with Sonogo. Keep feeding Sonogo. And I'm telling you one thing: Arkansas does not. They do not have a big that can match up with Sonogo. I think he's going to have another big night. Keep feeding Sonogo. He I mean he he is. He is he's been great in this tournament. They gotta keep feeding him down low. And then number three, they gotta contain Ricky Council and they gotta contain Devontae Davis. Those two guys had huge, huge games against Kansas. They got to contain the guard play of Arkansas. If they do all three of those things, they will win this game because I don't love Arkansas. I really don't. I know they got some talent. I know they got some NBA prospects with Anthony Black and Nick Smith, but those guys aren't playing great. Those aren't even their two best players. Their two best players are Ricky Council and Devontae Davis. Those are their two best players. So I, 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 Arkansas does not have a ton of size and they're not a good three point shooting team. They only hit six threes combined in their two wins in the first round. And they shot under 30% from three point range. So they're not a good three point shooting team. U- U- UConn is the better. They, the UConn shoots the ball better and they got a better inside game. UConn is the better basketball team here. I, 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 def, I, def, I truly, I definitely believe that if Bill Self is coaching Kansas against Arkansas, Kansas probably wins that game. So I think UConn is the better team and I expect them to win this game tomorrow night.
2: Yeah, I do too. Arkansas kind of reminds me of St. John's with more talent, with the way they want to play, with the way they want to get the basket. They're not a great shooting team. Now they don't have a Joel Soriano inside, but yeah, and, and St. John's could cause, you know, we we saw it cause some problems for UConn. But yeah, I think it's a team they should win this one. Cammy Johnson, their starting center is only 6'7". They got the Mitchell twins who are both 6'10 and 6'9", or yeah, 6'10 and 6'9", but they're both not great. So yeah, my worry is that Muscleman watched that game in the Big East Semi against Marquette and kind of said, All right, we're going to let UConn shoot because, you know, because Marquette didn't have the, the physicality inside either. And again, UConn, you know, I think Sonogo and Clean only took like 14 shots in that game. So, like, for me, yeah, it is, it, you mentioned you got to get the ball inside Sonogo. They should be able to win this game. But look, I do hope they just go out there and just play with house money. I know Arkansas is an eight seed, I know they're the U, UConn's a favorite. But, again, Arkansas is a preseason top 10 team. This is a really talented team. I know they haven't played like it at times, but just go out there and play with house money. Like, I don't need this team to be tight. Like, I feel like they were in the first halves of the last, you know, against Iona and um, St. Mary. So, yeah, you know, I think you can win this game. But, you know, I, I just, yeah, as you mentioned, Hawkins, too, has got to get it going the first half. But, yeah, I think you kind of got a little bit more talent. But, again, I just worry about their man-to-man defense letting Arkansas get to the rack.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. This is a bad three point shooting team. Sag off the line. Sag off the three point line. Let them shoot threes. Let them take threes. All right. They make it. Then you got to play the tight man to man defense. Do not play tight man to man defense in this game. I know Hurley likes to play that, but he's got to adjust to the opponent. He's got to adjust to the opponent. He cannot be. You can't be playing this tight man to man defense against a team that cannot shoot three point shots.
2: And that's, where I do worry about her a little bit. because it's the same thing like St. John's, the love, the tight that game at the XL Center for whatever reason they did not want to get out of that tight man-to-man defense, and they just kept St. John's kept getting the basket every possession. That's where I brought, worry about. Yes, I'm with you. Like sag off them a little bit, let them shoot if they want it. You know, you know they hit a couple. Fine, sure. You know, the the I think the three. This is kind of you know something for like all the games. You know, like the three point shooting's been down the tournament, and they're using a brand new basketball. I guess this year it's like a Wilson, and a lot of them use Nike, I believe, during in Spaulding. So I think that's why the three point numbers have been down during the tournament this year. So yeah, it's something where a team's struggling too. Do you match it too? They've only hit six in their first two rounds. Like yeah, let let them shoot, let them you know let them take some challenging shots that they've not been able to hit. So yeah, I'm with you. I, I think you kind of should be able to win this game, but yeah, Arkansas has got the talent. They got the guard play to not to uh, go on a run there.
1: Yeah. So who do you got winning? I got UConn winning it by, I'd say six or seven points.
2: Yeah. I got UConn two by five, five, six points. I think, you know, hopefully they get it done. Close game worries me, but I, I think they find a way to get it done right now.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think they're playing well. They're playing really, really well at the right time. Jim Calhoun said that at practice on Monday, mm-hmm. you're playing. So you saw that, that he was at practice yeah. on Monday. He said they're playing well at the right time. And that's a really, really good sign. When, when you're playing when you're playing really well in the month of March but now we will move on to the second game in Las Vegas tomorrow night and this is a rematch of a classic years, years you you remember this, this classic you were young but you remember yeah. this classic with Jordan Farmer and uh, Adam Morrison this is a rematch of a classic game uh, from 2006 in the tournament Seven, they say
2: it'll be 17 t- 17 years of the day it'll be Wow. Tomorrow night.
1: Wow! That that's yeah. crazy. That's crazy thing. Seventeen years of the day nope. of that classic Sweet Sixteen game in, in two thousand six. These two teams meet up again, and I think it's going to be a, r- a great game between these two teams. I think these are two very evenly matched teams. I think it's going to be a game in the seventies. I think both teams are going to score, but I, I I do like the I do like the guard play of both teams. Tiger Campbell, UCLA. I like Strawther and uh, and and Bolton of Gonzaga. I think it's going to be a really good game between the two teams. But I think the difference in this game. Is going to be Drew Timmy. I think Drew Timmy is going to be the difference, and that's why I think Gonzaga gets to an Elite Eight and they knock out UCLA. But, Justin, can Mick Coronin get the Bruins to the Elite Eight for the second time in three years?
2: I do got the Bruins win this one. I think they Drew, pull wow. out a close one, yeah.
1: But, but I yeah. thought you had Gonzaga's going to the Elite Eight.
2: I think I do. I probably do. <laughs> yeah, I have yeah. a, I have a couple brackets, so... Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Um, You know, I, I but I... I think about it more, and I like the guard play at UCLA a little bit better. Like Tiger Campbell, he's been a guy that just hits big shots. Um, you know, I, I and and is Jaime's. You know, I think he's another one. I think those two, because the problem I have with Gonzaga they're good, but at times I feel like they're not great in big spots, and they don't hit, you know. They, there's been times that, you know, um, they haven't been great shooting the basketball. Yeah, you know, Drew Timmy's going to be a bear down low. That's going to be a tough matchup especially if, um adam um adam bona gets a foul trouble because they do not have a lot of depth in the front court but i'll take those those two guys a tiger, t- tiger campbell and Jaime's hawk as to knock down enough shots you know again you say this is a revenge game for two years ago two in the final four that that's another class that's, the oh, last I, I thought, a... that's what i
1: should have mentioned yeah. i should have mentioned that classic from two years yeah. ago with the J with the with the Jalen suggs game i was thinking you know adam morris and jordan Farmer yep. from the sweet 16 but that, that was a much better. Actually, that was a, a much more memorable game two years ago with Jalen Suggs.
2: Yeah, that was that was an awesome one. That's one of the best tournament games yeah, that we've had. That's the last time we've had a butter- buzzer buzzer beater too, in the tournament, so it's it's wow. been a while. So you know, hopefully, but yeah, you know, Adam Morrison's going to be on the radio call for Gonzaga, so I assume you know we'll, we'll see a lot of Adam and Morrison, uh, you know, camera time. But um, I I think UCLA finds a way to get revenge over um uh, Gonzaga from a couple years ago.
1: Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So. We look at the West Region Final. You got UCLA and UConn. I got uh, UConn and Gonzaga. And 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 Justin, is UConn good enough to make it to the Final Four? Now, from what you've seen the last two weeks, do you think do you think they beat UCLA in the Elite Eight?
2: Yeah, I think they can. I I think you know UCLA is pretty banged up right now. It sounds like Davis Singleton's you know seems like he's healthy. That did not look good the other night, but seems like he's he's good to go this weekend. Um, but yeah, I, I think Jordan Hawkins, you know, if Tristan Newton's on. Again, if they're bench, if they can get some production out of the bench as well off the bench, I I think you know, you UConn will be the better team. You know, UCLA's really talented. Mick has done a really good job with UCLA and really restoring you know some of the cachet that UCLA has. Um, but I think UConn might have a little bit too much, a little bit you know more depth, and I think Sanogo and Clean can get opponent in foul trouble and you know they, they find a way to knock off um, UCLA
1: gets the Final Four. I think UConn beats either of these two teams if they play them. I think they beat UCLA because of their size. I think the size is the reason why they beat UCLA. I don't think UCLA has the inside game that UConn has. That's why I think they beat that's why they think they beat UCLA. And I have them matched up with and it's not in my original bracket, but right now I got them matched up with uh Gonzaga. And I think they beat Gonzaga. And the reason why is I think their guard play is better than Gonzaga's and they have an inside game that can that can uh they have an inside game. That can match what Gonzaga does inside and they have rim protectors like they have a rim protector like Donovan Klingon that could contain Drew Timmy. So that's why I think they I think they beat either one of these two teams. I got UConn winning the West region.
2: Yeah I'm there with you. I think they can knock off Gonzaga as well with Drew Timmy um you know down low. Yeah I think they could match him down side down low. Um and yeah I got Yukon I think could win the West. I'm you know again, you know if, if this team could play full twenty full forty minutes and just goes out there and just plays. Yeah, I think they could do. It. They've had a lot of success in the West Region as well. 11, oh yeah, 94, 99. Yeah,
1: four four. Of their uh, I think is it is it how many of their I think four of their final four appearances have been in the West Region. Ninety nine, two thousand four, two thousand nine, and then two thousand eleven. Four of their five final four appearances have been when they've been in the West Region.
2: Yeah, and Calhoun used to say he loved going out there because you don't there's no distractions. You know, like you just. You know, you don't, you know, you know, cause again, like at playing at MSG, you're going to have all those fans. There's going to be a lot on you. Exactly. So I, yep. I think it, I think it helps sometimes you go out West and kind of get away from everything. And so,
1: yeah, you know, I, I, they've had success. So yeah, I think they find a way yet again to win the West region. And you, and you saw Calhoun at practice on Monday. You saw him say, guys, are you 80 minutes away? 80 you know what minutes away i'm not gonna say the word but 80 you know what you know calhoun's gonna use that word yeah you know when you see jim yep. calhoun he's gonna use that word but yeah it's 80 you know what minutes away i you could you could smell it and he said they got something special going you know when that comes and you know when that comes from jim calhoun that that's real
2: yeah you absolutely do and you know um actually i could probably tell you, you know I, I i know you know yeah calhoun um you know, it's great to have practice. I know he's I believe he's at Albany last weekend. So yeah, with Calhoun's saying something like that, um, you know, he knows and uh yeah, it's great to see him around. And yeah, you know, you know, he knows basketball really well. So I think he sees the talent on this team, and I, I think um, you know, ho- hopefully the team uh,
1: responds and plays well in yeah, eighty minutes and hopefully they they find a win those those two games. Eighty minutes to Houston, eighty minutes to Houston for the Yukon Huskies. We'll see if they get it done this weekend. But we got to move on to the East Region. Those games will be played right be uh, played down at Madison Square Garden uh, in New York. Uh, we'll start with the team that always plays well in March, the Michigan State Spartan. They face a surprising Kansas State Wildcats. And I think this game is going to be a really, really close game. I think Marquis Noel, who John Calipari, come on. You don't even know his name. Calling him the little guy shows you why you're one of the most overrated coaches of all time. You can't, you can't, you, you're supposed to be preparing for the team. You don't even know his name. That makes no sense. And you got uh, Keontae Johnson in Kansas State. And then you got Michigan State, who <laughs> they do this so much. My Izzo is so good in March. He's so good in March. I mean, obviously with Tyson Walker, A.J. Holgard, and uh, Joey Hauser. I think this is a close competitive game. But I, do th- and I am going to take the team that's going to shoot the three well. And I think Joey Hauser is going to be the difference. He was really good in their first-round game against UCLA. I think he's going to be the difference in this game. And I got Michigan State. Going to another elite eight, but Justin, can Kansas State keep this dream season alive?
2: Yeah, this has been a tough one for me, you know, because yeah, you think about the last two times seven seed, you know, in the East Region play at the Garden, you know, fourteen with UConn, and then two thousand seventeen with um, South Carolina. You know, the last two seven seeds have. It's like come the magical the
1: number, the seven seed yeah. playing in the Garden yeah. in, in the Sweet Sixteen.
2: Yeah, it, it seems like it. But then on Kansas State side with Marquise Noel, the five foot eight guard. You know, he's from Harlem, he's never played at MSG before. You know, he's going home and he's giving me some Kemba Walker vibes right now, the way he's been playing. Just whenever they need to hit a big shot, he's done it. You know, he's just he's an undersized guard, but he's super quick. You know, as I mentioned, he you know, he is you know, tough shots, big time. You know, I'm gonna take Kansas State. I Tom Mizzo's been so good late, you know, in March. I you know, when he gets here this week 16, he's been unbelievable. Joey Hauser's, I, Joey Hauser's been reminding me too of like what Brady Manick was last year to North Carolina, you know, cl- you know, the clutch shot making, Um, he's been going defensive end, but I'm going to take the better guard. And I think right now the way Marquise and Wells playing again, if they get at something out, Keontae Johnson, you know, and then, you know, I, I think those two find a way. I just, you know, something special scenes on that Kansas state team right now. And, you know, Walker and Tyson Walker from Michigan, AJ Hogarth been playing well at the guard spots as well. But I know izzo has been good. I it's tough to pick against Izzo right now as well, but the way Norwell's been playing, I, I that he just kind of something feels special about that KC team. And I think I think Kansas State finds a way to win this because I think whoever wins this game, I think wins the region.
1: Oh, I completely agree. I completely agree. and that, and this will lead us to our next game in the region. That's Florida Atlantic against Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee, I've just never, I was not, I'll admit, I was not a fan of Tennessee all season long. I was not a fan, but you know, they were really good against Duke. Their defense only gave up 52 points. They had a guy score 27. Was his name again? Colmar or something? The guy who scored 27. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Cole, um, What's it? It's Colmar. I got a Colmar. Um, no. Yeah. It's like, I can't pronounce it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. He had 27. Their defense only allowed 52 points against Duke and then you got FAU who, yes, they're, they're here, but they very easily could have lost to fairly Dickinson yeah, or and Memphis and, but, and they don't even have a guy who's who averages more than 15 a game. That's why I think Tennessee holds them under 60. And I think Tennessee, even though I don't like them that much, I got them going to the sweet 16, but Justin, can your boys at FAU, who you said was the sleeper going into this tournament in this region, are they going to get to the elite eight?
2: I think they can. I really do. Dusty May, the head coach for Atlantic, was like, you know, he's going to study up on his Aussie rugby rules this week. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I mean, know. he
1: should also teach his players some sportsmanship. That was that was that was yeah, awesome that, what happened at the end of that not, game. Yeah. you can't be you can't be dunking the ball right after the game just run the clock out.
2: Yeah, I know. I, he said he apolog- he went, you know, on the handshake line and and um apologized to Tobin Anderson about that. So, I, you know, I, I so I, I I would assume he probably said something in the locker room. I, I would assume um, But look, I I think this Fort Atlantic team can match up well against Tennessee. Again, I don't. They haven't faced this physicality that they're about to face. Because again, you saw Duke. Duke was Duke had no idea what was about to hit them. Um, You know, and but what Fort Atlantic could do is because Tennessee doesn't. You know, they like to protect the middle. They don't want you to kind of get you know inside. They do a really good job as well. It's defending the three. But again, Fort Atlantic got three guys that could shoot above um, 38% from beyond the arc. And that's why they don't have a guy that averaged more than 15 a game because they could spread it out and anybody could beat you any given night. You yeah, know? If and they want to
1: make some sort of a run, they got to have a guy be dominant. But it's college yeah, basketball, though. You never know.
2: Yeah, it's kind of basketball. And especially in this year where everything is so wide open, you know, like, you know, uh, John Davis with 29 there their night. Like that, you know, if they can get something like that again, they got a chance. Like if you could just get one guy – that could just hit a bunch of shots from behind the arc, I think he got a chance. And they're going to apply some ball pressure. You know, they're going to make Tennessee kind of play 94 feet offensively. So, and Tennessee's offense isn't great. So if they could kind of turn it over, um, but they got to be able to knock down shots. I think I think the physicality of Tennessee is going to get them. But I think they keep this thing close. Um but I, I think Tennessee pulls out a little bit. And the last time Tennessee played at the Garden, it was that ugly Jimmy V Classic in 2021. It's tech it was like 57-52 in OT, and I yeah, think, I think, both I, I, think I, I think
1: I was texting you saying that was like yeah, one of the I worst games were. I've ever seen.
2: Yeah, that that was not pretty. I think they I no. think they had a combined like five three pointers made. It was not that was not a good basketball game.
1: No, 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 no. Now getting to the final at the Garden on Saturday night. I mean, it's going to be great for those for any either of these teams to get that experience of playing Saturday night at the Garden mm. for a chance to go to the Final Four. It, usually, the game was on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. I like Saturday night at the Garden to get to the Final Four. I think that's special. So I have uh, Michigan State and Tennessee. You got Kansas State and Tennessee, but we both said whoever wins the uh, the game between Michigan State and Kansas State is going to the going to the uh, Final Four. And I got Izzo going to another Final Four. I think he's got more score. I think his team has more scoring than Tennessee. And I got Michigan State. Going to another Final Four. I, I know I, origi- I originally had Marquette, but they lost. But now I got Michigan State going to a Final Four. Justin, who do you got coming out of the East region?
2: Yeah, I got Kansas State. I think, you know, they find a way to get Tennessee. I think Marquise Noel, yet again, best player on the floor. I think he finds a way to hit some big shots late in that game. And I think Kansas State goes back to the, um, they go back to the final, yeah, goes, goes to the Final Four um, and be a, you know, unbelievable story with Jerome Tangs on there in, in year one after they were picked. Dead last in the Big Twelve.
1: I mean, pick pick dead last in the in the best conference in college basketball, yeah. but still a great accomplishment if they got there.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely again he's he's had an unbelievable year. I'd put him or the you know, Fordham coach Keith Ergo as like coach of the year, one of those who absolutely, you know, belong, you know, deserve the one that coach of the year because they they've done a remarkable job there. So yeah, you know, um it's yeah, you know, even say State loses its Elite Eight or even tomorrow night, it's been a incredible
1: year for Jerome Tate that program. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Now we will move on to the South region. We got the best team, the number one team in the tournament, Alabama, facing San Diego State. And I know Brian Dutcher's done a really good job. They were very impressive against Foreman, but come on. Their two two wins were against Charleston and Foreman. This is a major, major step up in competition. I like Brian Dutcher. Did a great job recruiting the Fab Five. I I don't think the Fab Five is the Fab Five without Brian Dutcher. I think he does a really good job at San Diego State. But this Alabama team, to me, outside them and you kind of been the two most impressive teams in the country. And I think they're going to be very, very impressive on Friday night. I think they win this game by double digits and advance on to the elite eight. But Justin can San Diego state and Brian Dutcher upset the number one team in the tournament. I think they can keep this thing close made for a half. I don't know if they're going to be able to, you know, cause the thing
2: is Alabama's children, Tennessee and seeing the state's going to be, again, not as physical as Tennessee, but they're a physical bunch. They got some size that can maybe disrupt Alabama at the rim. The problem, the worry I have with San Diego State is their half court offense is not good. And it's just very consistent. And I think that's where the Aztec may run into problems here um, against Bama because you're going to have to knock down some shots. If Matt, you know, if uh, Matt Bradley could kind of figure it out and go off and put up 20, 25 points, I think San Diego State's got a real shot to win this game. You know, Alabama's team that wants to get it up and down, and and you know, San Diego State doesn't mind kind of playing the half court. But you know, if this gets to an up tempo game, you know, San Diego State does have some depth with them, you know, that could kind of match. But I just think Alabama, as you mentioned, there's just a little bit too much talent. But the Aztec, I think, could keep this thing close for a bit. Um, but yeah, the way Alabama's playing, they're just it's just such and Brandon Miller didn't score against you know, against Corpus Christi, Corpus Christie. He didn't play great either Saturday night, and they still blew out Maryland. Like, you know, he really hasn't even played his best so far either. And I think that's a scary
1: thing right now for the rest of the country. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we got the second game in the South region, and that's Princeton and Creighton. Princeton, obviously the surprise team is the 15 seed. And I was surprised the way they blew out Missouri after they beat uh, Arizona. I was surprised the way they beat Missouri on on, on Saturday, last Saturday. But this is going to be a game where I think Cal Brenner is going to be the difference. I think the size of Creighton's going to be the difference, and I like Creighton's guard play. I like Alexander. I like Nemhard. Nemhard had a big game against Creighton. I like. I like. I really like their guard play, and I think this is this is the end of the line for Princeton, who's had a great run, who pulled a, a great, I don't know a great upset against Arizona, crushed Missouri, but I do think Creighton wins this by double digits and plays Alabama in the Elite Eight. But Justin, can Pro- Princeton keep the Cinderella story alive? It's going to be tough. Again, this is a good basketball team. I still,
2: even I know they got here and all that. I still thought Yale was a little bit better than Princeton was this year. But again, you know, uh, this is a good basketball team. They got guys that can knock down shots. But yeah, I think this is where it ends because I think Creighton, you know, something Missouri couldn't really even do is they can't match kind of the vers- versatility that kind of Princeton could throw at you. And Creighton could do that with their four guard lineup that that they, or, you know, they could throw four guards at you, um, you know, and, and Coke burner is going to be able to defend the rim again. If Princeton gets some open cause they run some really good sets and they get open guy you know, they get open shots. They can get that against Creighton. they got a chance that they can knock them down. Um, but I, I think Creighton's got a little bit too much for him. And as you mentioned, I think Coke burner is going to be a, be a problem for Princeton. Um, you know, we had 31 against NC state. I think he could have another big game against Princeton. And I, I do have Doug McDermott and Creighton doing, trying to get, you know, trying to get a chance here to, uh,
1: Go to their first final four in
2: program history,
1: and they're gonna and and they, they should get that shot on Sunday after sun, on Sunday afternoon against Alabama. I think it's this is going to be a test for Alabama. I think it's going to be a tough game, but I can't go against the best player in the country, and I can't go against the team that's been that that has been so impressive in those first in their first two games. I'm going with Alabama to get to the final four out of the South Region. Justin, can Creighton get to their first final four?
2: You know I'm gonna pick them. I'm gonna take. Wow, them. you're going Creighton it.
1: after you picked yeah. Alabama to win the national championship last. I week.
2: did. I, yeah, I did. I, I did. But I love the way Crane right now is playing, like the way that they did that everybody thought before, where they were the preseason, you know, you know, Final Four threat. Again, they they dominated. I know they won by one, but they controlled that game for 40 minutes. They were on. I think Doug. I've said it a bunch. I think Doug McDermott's one of the best coaches in the country. Or Greg Greg um, McDermott. Greg, oh, I, yeah, that's the son Doug. Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Greg's done a you know tremendous job. Again, I know they don't have much depth, but I think they can match with Alabama. I think Goldburner could be a problem down low. You know, I you know Nemhart went off the other day. I think he got you know 30 against um Baylor against Sunday night. Again, I think they could have one of those performances. Grant's kind of playing really well at the right time. I worry a little bit about the death against Alabama, but I think you know. Arthur Kaluma can match up with um, Brandon Miller defensively. I think he could do a good job. I think he could kind of keep him in check. If Craig can knock down some jumpers, they don't mind playing the half court either. And if they could kind of keep this game in the 60s, low 70s, I think Craig can knock them off.
1: Yeah, it's possible. I just can't go against Alabama. I cannot go against Alabama with the way they played in their first two games. But we got the final region, and that is the Midwest region. We got a, two really good games Friday night. First, it's Miami and Houston. I think this is going to be a really, really close competitive game, but I'm going to take the team with the better guard play, and that's Miami with Jordan with Jordan Miller and Isaiah Wong. I'm going to take that, and they got no Chad O'Meara back, so, and they got Nigel Pack who could hit threes. I'm going to take Miami to head back to the Elite Eight. I got them beating Houston in a really, really close game. But Justin, can Houston get to their third consecutive final four?
2: Yeah, this is uh this is another tough one for me as well. Cause yeah, you mentioned you know, Miami does have the guys that can kind of um knock down shots. And again, you know, I don't know if really Houston's kind of seen a lineup like this that's gonna be able to, you know, um uh, put four guards on the floor. But the thing that worries me is Houston just wears you down, and you, you kind of saw like it's Auburn um when they you know Saturday night. You know, they just, the way they, again, they held Auburn to four made field goals in the second half. And it's like when they want to play defense and when they really want to lock you down, they remind me of Baylor a couple years ago when they won the national championship. It is just a, it, it, it takes everything that, you know, takes every ounce to try to get anything, you know, easy against that team. Um, But yeah, you know, if my, the, my, the way that Miami has to win this game is they got to get this thing up and down and they got to get this game in the seventies, you know, I don't think, you know, I don't think you're scoring 80 against, against Houston, but if you can keep the game in the 70s, and the thing, too, that, you know, Houston could have trouble with is in a game like this where Miami does have some really good shot makers, you know, again, the game at Temple where they lost, they, they didn't hit a field goal, I think, for the last, like, seven minutes of the game. Like, that's a problem with Houston is offensively. Can they knock down enough shots? Can they find enough offense? They rely on their defensive times to be their offense. Can they, you know... Can they sustain that? It'll be tough, but I'm with you with Jim Jim Laranega. He's he's such an unbelievable coach, especially in the tournament. Um, he's done a great job of that program, elevating it. I I got the Canes as well. I think the guard play is a little bit better. I know Samson says Sasser and Snead are healthy, but I, I'm I don't know if that's just coach speak or what, but I'm with you. I think Miami finds a way to knock off Houston on Friday night. Wow.
1: Wow. Wow. So Houston won't be going back to, uh, won't be going home for the final four.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, there, that'll be a disappointment for Houston fans. They've been the favorite all year, but yeah, I just, I think the offense kind of some of everybody's been talking since November, did they have the
1: offense? I think that's what could cost them this game. And then we got the second game between Xavier and Texas. I think this is going to be a great game. I think it's going to be close right down, right down to the end. But I think the difference is going to be is I think I think Dylan Dessou has played so well for Texas ever since the big ever since the Big Twelve tournament he had twenty eight he saved him against Penn State he had mm-hmm. twenty against Penn State I think he has another big game and I think Texas in a close one beats a- solely Boom and Xavier but Justin can Sean Miller get the Musketeers to the Final Four?
2: I don't think so. I think Texas knocks them off. I think this is a bad matchup for Xavier. As you mentioned, Dylan Dessou's. The way he's been able to trust the floor I, is is been a huge key, and then again he's been able to put it on the you know put the ball on the floor and get it to the rack. And I think you know that's going to be a tough matchup there for Jack Nunji to kind of slow down. And um Rodney Terry, he's former uh, UTEP coach. He did coach uh, Sule Boom for three years when he was at UTEP, so there's some familiarity there. And Sule Boom has not played well since the Big East final. You know, he had one point against Marquette. You know, yeah, the Big East he, semifinal against the Creighton. Yeah, he hit 23. And then yeah, then, yeah, then Marquette, one, yeah. he didn't even hit a field goal. He's got to get going. They really need him to hit some shots. I know Adam Kunkels, you know, has has been playing really well. Kobe Jones has, but I think this is a bad matchup for Xavier because like Pittsburgh just they didn't take some really good shots. They, you know, they missed a swing pass and they would have had somebody open. You know, they they and they let Xavier get out and run in the open court. And Texas isn't really gonna do that. If, you know, Texas didn't take some good shots. Um, you know, defensively they're not great, but I think you know they'll they'll do some things defensively, which you know could slow down Xavier a bit. And I think Texas finds a way yet again under Rodney Terry. I, I think they find a way to, get to lead eight, and I think he's one step closer to uh forcing um Texas AD to to have to have to hire Rodney Terry.
1: Yeah, yeah, and we'll go into the Midwest Region final. We both have Miami and Texas. And I'm going to go to Texas, and the one reason why is they have, they clearly have a better inside game right now than Miami. I think if Miami doesn't shoot the ball well in that game, they're going to be in trouble. That's why I got Texas heading to their first Final Four since Rick Barnes in 2003. In 20 years, Texas heads to their first Final Four as they knock off Miami in the Elite Eight. Justin, can Larenaga get back, finally get back to the Final Four? We all know the the, first, the, the time yeah. when he, who he beat in the Elite Eight when he got there.
2: Yeah, yeah, that UConn, that once I saw a lot of heartbreaking in Yukon Yukon fans hearts in that one cuz that, that 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 was a disappointment down you know, that that would have been that should have been another championship but you know in the, in that one Texas Miami I think Texas gets back there for first time since 03. It's crazy Texas hasn't made a I couldn't believe that this first time they've made a sweet 16 in 15 years. It just doesn't with all the resources Texas has that shouldn't happen. Um but I think they finally get back there. I think with Rod, you know, Roddy Terry, Marcus Carr plays well, um, you know, as well. Dylan D'Souza, I, I, you know, has another big game. I feel like, you know, Miami got to lead eight last year, couldn't quite get over the hump, and I think it's to be the same thing this year. I think those kids, you know, really want Terry to get that job. You know, again, it was a tough situation for him to take over Ronnie Terry, but he's done an on a, a remarkable job. I know, I understand why he hasn't got the job yet because he's not a flash like Texas wants a, wants a big, you know, like Texas is flirting with John Calipari right now. That should tell you all you want. You know, it's about the name. Oh, please. Oh, please. I know
1: that's good. That, that, that is, that is just going to, that's going to hurt that program. I'm sorry. You're going to be addicted to the one and done. Oh God! They're talking to John. Hire 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 this guy. Hire Man. Terry, please. He's 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 led. He's got them to the Sweet 16 for the first. And you said for the first time in 15, 16 years, he's gotten to a Sweet 16. Hire him. That's before Durant. Yeah. This is even before Durant. They they haven't. They they, they, they This is the first six Sweet 16 since uh two thousand six. So yeah, please do do the right thing and hire Rodney Terry. Do not hire John Calipari, please.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think at this point you gotta give him the job. We'll see if that happens, but, you know, you, you never know with Texas. They do some, you know, you, you just never know with that athletic program what they're going to do. But, yeah, I'm with you. They got to hire him. He's done a remarkable job. Um, Yeah, Cal Perry, I think, would be a huge mistake and, yeah, would set the program back on to the SEC in a couple of years. Wouldn't it be great? But, uh, yeah, I, I think Texas finally gets back there. That team, they got the guard play with Hunter and Carr, and they they find a way to knock off Miami. They get, they'll go back to the Final Four for this. You know, uh, these will be the only second time in program history, which is another
1: second or third, which is still – that to not happen. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. They should be going to more Final Fours with all the resources they have. But we'll make our Final Four picks. In my Final Four, I have in I have uh, UConn matched up with Texas, and I got uh, Alabama matched up with Michigan State. So, uh, in my Final Four, I got Alabama beat right, – right now, in my Final Four, I got Alabama beating Michigan State. And then I got UConn beating Texas, and I got UConn meeting Alabama in the final. And I don't like going against the Huskies, but I picked Alabama to start the tournament, and I'm going to stick with it. So right now I got Alabama over UConn in the national championship game. Justin, who do you got?
2: For me, um, you know, first one, I got UConn-Texas as well. This is a tough one. I will take UConn. I think they find, they'll find they find a way, to hopefully, to knock off Texas. And the other side, I got K-State and Creighton. I'll go K State, and I think UConn knocks off K State in the uh, national championship game, and you know, hopefully, get number five.
1: Wow! So you got you got you got Hurley getting number five. So I got him going to the championship game. You got him winning the championship game. So it should be really interesting to see what happens this weekend with UConn. But we definitely will be rooting for him. But we got we got some big we got some coaching hires in the Big East. Some new new coaches in the Big East and pretty pretty prominent and pretty prominent spots. But before we talk about that. We are going to hear from our friends at JPEG Financial and Shamrock Home Inspections.
0: Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEG's Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational and investment needs. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services Inc member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors Inc. Jpex Financial Group LLC is not a registered broker dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. Jpex Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. There's no There's no bigger investment than home ownership. And to make sure the house is up to your standards, you need a professional to look it over. Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections is a licensed home inspector and a member of the Connecticut Association of Home Inspectors. Brian was a contractor for over 15 years, so he knows how homes should be constructed and how mechanicals should work. What makes
1: me a good home inspector was the 20 years that I was a home improvement person
0: all the different repairs that I have done and what other people have done wrong that I had to go out and fix. So I have a pretty quick eye on seeing what's right and what's wrong. Before
1: you move, call Shamrock Home Inspections.
0: Before you make the biggest investment of your life, call Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections at 860-268-2566 or visit shamrockhomeinspectionct.com.
1: All righty. On Monday, Rick Pitino. left Iona and took the job at St. John's. And I think this is a great, even though Patino's 70 years old, I think this is a great hire for St. John's. I think it's a great hire. I think he's going to bring them back to prominence. And the big question is, Justin, will Patino have St. John's on top of the big East in the next two years?
2: I think it's very possible. I, I really, especially with how much you can change over rosters nowadays. And again, St. John's had talent on that roster this year. Again, they just were not, Mike Anderson wasn't the great greatest coach, and there it's going to turn into an alley situation. I don't know if you you saw, but uh, you know the fire without cause here. His uh, Mike Anderson didn't sue oh, St. John, so gotcha. We have a little you know reminder for uh, you kind of into that that saga, but yeah, I, I think he really can. I think he'll get that team to the final four. He signed a six year deal, so he'll be seventy six. You know when that thing ends, I think they they will they'll, they'll be they'll be there. They'll be up at the top of the league. And uh, Father Shamley, Sham- yeah, um, Shamley, who was at Providence, who built, who's a huge part of building that thing with Ed Cooley at Providence. They got some of the best facilities there. He is now at, at St. John's. Like This is, you know, Father Shamley did work with um, Rick and because he used to be a professor at Providence when Rick Pitino was head coach. So they already have that relationship. And they're both committed to building facilities. You know, St. John's have, I think, the worst in the conference is what I've read. Um so, the, you know, he wants to build that thing like they did at Providence. Um, Rick Pitino is going to keep New York kids home because they haven't in a long time. You know, they, they've really struggled to keep those kids home. I think Rick Pitino is a home run hire for a program that hasn't been relevant in a while. They haven't won a tournament game since 2000. They haven't been to the biggest semifinals since 2003. I think I think Rick Pitino is a perfect hire for this for this, um you know, for, for this program. And again, it's, you know, going to turn around St. John's I know that that fan base has been dying for somebody to, um you know, get it going down there.
1: All right. And, and speaking of Ed Cooley in Providence, Georgetown hires Ed Cooley uh, to be their head coach. And uh do you think Ed Cooley, uh, the big question here is, I don't, I don't know, it's going to take, take a while for Georgetown to be a top team in the big East because they're absolutely terrible. They're in the basement of the big East right now, but in two years, can Ed Cooley make this team, be a tournament team, a team that could make the NCAA tournament in two years.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think they can, you know, this is it, you know, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but NIL sounds like they're, cause that was something they were really, the Georgetown administration was really stubborn about early on. Now it seems like they're, you know, with Cooley coming in, they're going to kind of open that up more, um, be more open to it. And yeah, I think for Georgetown, Cooley's a very good hire um, because what Cooley, you know, Cooley's always been big into the, big John kind of what he meant to Georgetown and all that. Um, You know, he's always, you know, he was there for the the groundbreaking kind of the basketball facilities like 10 years ago. He's the only kind of big East coach there. Um, They've had a, you know, they had a relationship. So I, you know, again, it's, it's crazy for, you know, to think that he's leaving Providence. And again, that, you know, I understand why kind of Providence fans feel like that he's back. He backstabbed them. I get it. Did not leave the right way, but, yeah. I think he can kind of get Georgetown back to where it should. And Georgetown's, you know, the fans kind of reading from everything that, that you know, they're relishing and kind of taking back that villain role of what they had because that, that was a team nobody wanted to face, you know, back in the old days, um, you know, kind of seems like they're going to have that mantra again. And again, it, it's great for the big East to have, you know, Georgetown and hopefully St. John's as well going to be back. And for the big East, the uh, best, the contracts up in 2024 and, they're supposed to be talking in the next couple of weeks, um, you know, negotiating with Fox to see if they can get something. So it is a perfect time for the Big East here to – for a new t- TV deal with all the drama and, and with Georgetown and St. John's going. And actually the last thing too is um, – and I – because this is the first time Cooley's left for – first time a Big East coach has left to go take another Big East job. I don't know, you know, because uh, Val Ackerman, the commissioner, was at the St. John press conference yesterday with Tino. I did not see her at Georgetown today. Ooh, and I know – there's been some stuff of maybe Georgetown was tampering a bit and I've read something too, that Georgetown kind of February told Val to kind of go pound sand when she (laughs) kind of said the weight and Georgetown kind of, you know, said no to that. So, you know, maybe something that something there, but that maybe she's not too happy. I don't don't know. I just maybe something to think about, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's good for the big East. I think the drama has been great because that's been the storyline the last couple of days is the big East kind of returning and, that's what made the big East the Big East back in the day was all the great coaches this conference has and again sounds like is going to hire King English he's 34 years old good he's had two years
1: of coaching experience good luck man I, I good luck yeah and and you talked about yeah the, the, the great coaches that what made the big East the great coaches back in the day the John Thompsons the Jim Bayheims the Jim Calhouns the Rick Patinos the Louis Carnesacas, the Roly Massaminos the PJ Carlisimos. That's what made the Big East. I think uh, like six of their original eight schools made the final four in the first 10 years of the conference. That's what made the Big East was the great coaches. So now, you know, having George having a Cooley at Georgetown. Providence will, won't be great, but they'll still, they'll still be competitive because it's, it's, it's been a decent program. A decent program. And then you got Patino at uh, St. John's. And you talk about the TV. You made a great point with the TV contract. That is what destroyed the Big East. That's what destroyed the old Big East. I think that's what could help this Big East. Become the premier conference in college basketball again. I think they've taken big steps, bringing UConn back, and now getting Patino back in the conference, and then having this rivalry between Georgetown and Providence. I think this this Big East has definitely taken a lot of a lot of steps in the last ten years. We thought the Big East was over when it was like. When they they added like when when everyone left and they, and they and the only teams remaining were like Villanova, St. John's, Providence, George, and, and Georgetown, and then you had like Creighton, Mark. You kept and obviously Marquette was still in the league, but Marquette and Creighton and Butler and Xavier. But now I I I, I think the Big East is in a great spot, and this TV deal I think it's going to be a really good deal, and it's really really going to help the conference. And I think this could this is going to turn this is going to get back to being the premier conference in college basketball in the next uh, three to five years.
2: Yeah, I'm absolutely with you. I, you know, cause yeah, I think the last 10 years since kind of the breakup here, the big East has shown that it can still live with the big boys that, you know, like, you know, they don't need the football money to keep competing. You know, yeah, they may not get all the one and dones like some of the SEC big, you know, big 12 schools, but it's always, it's been a kind of upperclassmen type league. You know, they always have really good players. Yeah. Maybe not a ton of NBA guys, but, they can hang around. I'm absolutely with you again. Every program right now, besides the Paul, you know, we'll we'll see what King could do at Providence. But you know, yeah, I'm with you. I've heard like you know, you know, he's very um, you know, he, he's gonna be kind of a star in the game, but we'll we'll kind of see. But like everybody but the Paul, I feel like is in a very good spot, and yeah, it could be very you know. And I think Selma feels done a good job crew and We'll see if he can kind of get it on the court going, but I'm, I'm with you. I think top to bottom, this conference is going to be a, a war every night. And yeah, you look at the even right now, you know, Sean Miller, you know, Shaq Smart, we saw what he could do. You know, Greg McDermott, you know, what he's elevated that program. You know, you know, Shereen Holloway, we saw one year again when he gets guys at CNL. Oh, that yeah. I see no, it's going to be
1: good with Shaheem. Shaheem yeah. is going to, he's, he's always at St. Peters. Shaheem, that team's going to be good with Shaheem.
2: Yeah, it's just a matter of time again. UConn with Dan Hurley, it, UConn's kind of getting back
1: to where they they should be. I'll, t- I'll tell you that, that move to the Big East for UConn was the yeah. best thing that's happened to this team. That move to the Big East was, it's it's helped recruiting so much. It's brought this program back to being a top program. they moved to the Big East because before the Big East they were they were awful. They were they were one of the they were they were a bad program. It was a bad program when they were in the American. They, they became they went from being a top program to a bad program when they were, were in the American. They go back to the Big East that has helped this program so much.
2: Yeah, definitely has their crew. And again, they, they just, again, you know, I know some of the stuff with Ollie was kind of, you know, didn't help with some of the stuff that was going on there. And I think Ollie kind of got little, you know, kind of was not fully into it anymore. You know, after he won the national championship, I think thought he was going to come easy, but yeah, again, you know, Hurley's done a great job. I think he's one of the best recruiters in the entire country. I wish, you know, a little bit game coach get skills, get a little bit better, but yeah, you know, I, again, I, I think, you know, with Yukon coming back, it's been great. You know, Jim Moore doing what he could do with the football. That that's totally helped. that because this is a basketball first, you know, team, you know, um, university. You know, the state it means, you know, basketball means a ton here. So yeah, I just think as a conference as a whole, UConn's been great. I think UConn's helped the conference as well.
1: Absolutely. Um,
2: you know, with the environment that they bring to the garden. But yeah, you know, again the rivalry now Georgetown and uh, Providence. I was hoping I heard Bobby Hurley was in the running for a bit at Providence. I was hoping we'd get that too because you know that would oh, Hur- the Hurleys more. going yeah. at it.
1: Now, do you think yeah. this move is good for Ed Cooley? Do per- you think it'll will help Ed Cooley in the next you know five years?
2: I think yeah, I because yes, I think the ceiling is higher at Georgetown than at Providence. I think he got what the ceiling is today at Providence. I really do. I think it's t- I, you know I don't think it's like the '80s where you know Barnes got them to a Final Four. I think at Georgetown with all the resources, I think you can get back to a final four national championship kind contender. Yeah. I'll take a couple of years. clay hasn't been great in the tournament. His offenses aren't great. Usually it's the defense that does it, but we'll see when now he gets some more talent, the recruiting wise. Now he's got to get the DMV kids to stay home. And I think he'll do that. The math of that big kind of, um, High school down there in Maryland. That's 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 the place he's got to start getting kids because Georgetown has not won there in a while. Get, and I, I think Cooley for him for his legacy for himself. I think is big. You know, I think he had more success. Now his legacy at Providence, I think, is shattered. And because for because I'll make this compare. He was what John Big John was at Georgetown. He was that at Providence. He was the man. I I remember. You know, driving through Rhode Island, he's everywhere on billboards. He's even, you know, outside the airport, he's got a welcome to Friartown Town up there. You know, they, they probably taken down now. But like, think for himself, yes. But you know, for the city of Providence, man, it he kind of backstabbed them, and I do feel for that, you know, th- that fan base. right I was going through it, and I get it. But yeah, for himself, he wants to try to. This is the best chance for him to win national championship at Georgetown.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing about Georgetown for years is they were just hoping with, you know, guys that were, they kept it in the family with, 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 with John. They, they, they had, I think they had a, a Thompson's longtime assistant assistant yeah. at the beginning. Um, and then they had, and then they had a John Thompson son. He did a good job at the beginning, getting mm-hmm. Jeff green and Roy Hibbert and, and those green guys. And, uh, and But, but, but then it started to get stale with, with Thompson, with Thompson. And then Patrick Ewing, I know he won that one biggie's title was an absolute disaster. I think not keeping it in the family is going to help, and Cooley is going to recruit. I think the recruiting was was poor at Georgetown because they all thought, "Oh, we're Georgetown, we're Georgetown." No, that your, your your program is falling off. You got to go out and recruit better, and they did it. And now I think with Cooley, they are going to recruit better, and they are going to be back to being a force in the Big East.
2: Yeah, you know, it seems like they're making they're make every attempt to kind of get back there, and I think they understand that this is a huge hire for them, and that again, that that place. Capital One Arena has been empty the last couple of years. They, they, they can't draw anybody there anymore. So yeah, you know I think Georgetown's making a huge investment to get back to where they belong because I because the Big East as a whole is a lot better when Georgetown's up there and even St. John's. You know the conference is a lot better as a whole when those two are up there. Georgetown really has not played a relevant outside of that run in 2021. When was the last time Georgetown played a relevant regular season Big East game?
1: It's been a long time. A long and that time. shouldn't happen. Exactly. You know. exactly. I, I'll, I'll always remember that Biggie Semi they had against Syracuse. I was there in 2013 when they had Otto Porter. Yeah. But really, since then, that program—I know they had that one biggie's title—but since then, that program has been going downhill. Ever since that that loss they had to Florida Gulf Coast.
2: Yeah, that I, that's that's like the last time. You know, like I think that's what a lot of people kind of, a lot of kids now kind of remember that. That's been a decade, which yep. is insane. Yeah, it doesn't really feel like it's been that long, but it's been a decade, and yeah, they haven't been back there in a long time, and yeah, I think Cooley brings that back, and you know, there is still one more Thompson on. I he was at the press conference today. I he's been the chief of staff there the last couple. I didn't even really. I forget what they kind of. So you you do have one more Thompsons on there, which I've been reading. Georgetown fans don't like him. They, They think he's got a little bit too much power still. We'll see under Cooley what happens with that, but I, I think they're still in a lot better shape than they were either Pat Ewing. Cause yeah, him and, you know, the prodigy son just don't work. We, we've seen it again. Oh, we saw, saw it, think,
1: UConn fans saw it very well. Yep, UConn St. saw, saw it very well. Yep, uh, St. John's UConn, with Chris yeah. Mullen. Yes.
2: Yeah. So it's, yeah, you know, it just doesn't work. It's unfortunate because he's such a, you know, he's had a huge part of why Georgetown became Georgetown, but yeah, it's timing. And again, it's, it's good because I mentioned earlier, Georgetown's a villain again, and that's kind of what they were back in the day. And I feel like kind of what the fan base is now, because I don't, I don't know how other coaches around the league kind of feel with another team kind of poaching, you know, coach from inside the conference, but that prime's AD was not happy. And he did, you know, that, 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 that was, um, you know, kind of something, something interesting. So yeah, we'll see. I think, you know, it's great for the conference. It's great for, um, this, this conference will be back in, in top of the top of the,
1: uh hopefully the basketball kind of capital here. Absolutely. 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 So we got to talk about the WBC and uh last, last night, Japan won the WBC. That, this, that was the only game I watched the WBC. I have trouble watching baseball without a pitch clock now. So uh I, this was just the only game I watched the WBC had a great end. Trout yeah. against Otani. They, they had a great ending. Japan ends up winning the WB, the world baseball classic three to two over the U S. But the big question is seeing the injury, seeing, the injuries to Edwin Diaz and to Jose Altuve is the WC good for WBC good for baseball? I think they my, – my answer is I think they need to play it right after the World Series. They cannot be playing the WBC right before spring training. It's it's poorly timed. It can't be done before spring training. I'd play it after the World Series. I think it would be better because then you could get Edwin Diaz back. The Mets are not going to have their closer for the rest of the season. And then the Astros are going to have one of their best players out for two months. So I think the WBC should be played right after the World Series.
2: Yeah. And I, I don't know why, I don't know if it's like a weather, you know, but you playing, you know, you can play in the domes like they did in Miami and Arizona, you know, I think it's tough, you know, it's every four years. The thing, you know, about um, Altuve is like, he could have broke his hand in a spring training game getting hit by a pitch. The Diaz one. Yes. That one, that one's more of a freak injury celebrating. Um, Yeah. Like, you know, I'm okay with it. If players want to go represent their country, go do it. I'm fine. I know it's a risk and I know teams are probably scared of it, but yeah, if there was a better time, like you do this in November, December, I think it'd be a lot better. I think teams would be more kind of okay. And less kind of skittish about having some, cause I know like the Yankees didn't want Severino pitching in there. And even like Nestor, they kind of wanted him to hold back. So, you know, I, and I, I, I see why, and I know judge said he didn't want to play cause he wanted to go win the world series. And I, and I, and again, I, I, you know, I, I get that too. I wanted to kind of get ready and hopefully win the World serious, but yeah, it's tough. If it was a better time of year, you know, maybe be, you know, more guys we'd see in it, but um, yeah, I just think the time of year is a little bit tough and it, it's unfortunate, but um, you know, players wanting to represent their country. It, I think it's tough to kind of
1: try to tell them no. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's a very hard thing to tell them no, And uh, it, it is hard, but I think it should be played. After the World Series and not right before the season, I, th- I think I think there's way too many many bad things that happen when you put that right before the season. But we got to wrap up the show talking about a legend that unfortunately passed away yesterday, and that's Willis Reed. And the one thing Willis Reed will always be remembered for, I mean, he's got a great resume. I mean, two time NBA champion, the only two Knicks championships teams he was a part of, uh, MVP in 1970, NBA Finals MVP of. <laughs> the, the uh the two Knicks championships in 70 and 73, seven time all star. But we'll always remember him limping on that court, taking the court in game seven of the NBA nineteen seventy NBA finals against the Lakers, leading the Knicks to their first NBA championship. So rest in peace, Willis Reed, one of the greatest Knicks of all time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, rest in peace to Willis Reed. Yeah, he was a huge staple of those ninety teams. Nickname was the captain. Um you mean seventies you know, that- teams. Yeah, the 70s, yeah. What did I say? The 90s? 90s, 90s. Oh, 90s, yeah, <laughs> 70s. Um, Yeah, you know, he's the captain of those teams. Huge part with Clyde Frazier and all that. So, yeah, he's a huge kind of staple of the Knicks success back in the day. Um, So, yeah, I know it's a, you know, sad day for Knicks fans everywhere, NBA fans everywhere. So, yeah, rest peace rest piece of uh, Willis Reed, um, you know, huge career. And, you know, I know, um you know, such a uh, great Nick back in the day. Absolutely.
1: Hopefully, the Knicks beat the Heat for him tonight. But that's going to wrap it up on Sports Talk with RJ. For Justin and Alfrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week previewing the Final Four and giving our baseball preview for the 2023 season. Have a great weekend, everyone.
0: Jones, on first
1: is. down, wide open. It's Barkley. And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley. He's great when he's on the field, but the problem is, since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team.
0: Look at this. They lob it to him. He taps it in on the glass. How
2: about that? Porter Morger, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball. Hands down.
0: Finch two for three. He's done his part. Fitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is... God, they don't mind not being what they were in the
1: 90s as the best organization in baseball. Because the Yankees are not. They're not even close to the best organization in baseball.
2: They're trying to be the race, and the race do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankee.
0: Hello, my name is Joe Aguilar. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Drawing About the G-Man, and great true crime shows like Sticky Meat, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Bird, the Unsolved Murder of David Iman. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.